Hi, my name is Marcus, and I am the host of Comic Corner. Along with my co-host Mason, we bring the kingdom of geekdom to life, or to darkness. Join us as we talk about heroes, villains, myths, and more things nerdy. Listen to us every Wednesday at 8 on Spotify. Brought to you by Gateway Pro Productions. From 1974 to 2005, a serial killer terrorized the city of Wichita, Kansas. In total, 10 victims lost their lives. This is the tragic story of the BTK victims. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Code 187. I am Joe, your host, here joined with my co-host. Hi, I am Sarah, and we're going to talk about a case today, a serial killer case, which is different. So, yeah. Yes, and a very popular one, too. Um, mm -hmm. Yes. And see, I was, with this particular case, the name rings a bell. So I have probably heard this story before, but I, I'm drawing a blank right now. I can't, like, I hear the name, and I'm like, I can't think of anything. I know he's a serial killer, but I can't think of anything. So, or it might be I'm mixing him up with another serial killer, and... Uh, They're all kind of the same anyway. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they are. So yeah, that's the pr that's my problem. I'm I've listened to so many that they're just meshing together. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna shut up and I'm gonna <laughs> start listening so that my memory can catch up. <laughs> okay, well before I wanted to start this, I wanted to talk about my connection okay. to BTK because I grew up around Wichita. Okay, um, and so. I was in Wichita all the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like on those TV shows, true crime ones, they're like, it was just a normal town until it wasn't, you know, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Yeah. That's definitely Wichita, like totally normal Kansas town. And then like serial killer, dun, 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 yeah. kind of thing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, and so this was a big span too. This was 1974 to 2005. Gotcha. And he wasn't active during all those years we'll find, okay. but it was still a fear okay. of everybody's that he was going to come back. And, um, he had threatened children okay. and was like, kind of, well, I mean, he was a sexual predator against children mm -hmm. but he did go after little girls and so my parents taking me to Wichita I'm sure they were like stay close to me don't go anywhere you yes. know because mm -hmm. you never knew who it was yeah it could have been your neighbor and it's just terrifying now are we, we're going to talk about who do they know who he is yes okay okay because I was like because he was like, uh, nobody knows who he is. And I was like, is this still like an ongoing case? 
Oh. No, they um, they found him in 2005, okay. and he's actually housed in the prison in the town I grew up in, which okay. is El Dorado, Kansas. Gotcha. So I have a lot of ties to this case. I knew the names of the victims early on. Okay. I watched his court cases, and... It's, it's weird to have like a, a case that you know so well yes. and you research it and it's like, oh, I didn't know that. Or how can I tell it differently? Yes. I've had just this week, I've had a couple of um, people talk about certain cases and things and it really blows my mind because I'm connected to them and it's like, I know so much about this stuff. So I can't even imagine how you feel like really into it so <laughs> yeah and like so i remember when he was caught we like drove by and uh-huh. like looking at all like because all the news stations were outside where yeah. he was uh-huh. and me and my dad are like whoa look at that that's so cool and like <laughs> <laughs> we're such true crime weirdos but like it was just a big huge news story yes and it really impacted a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All righty. Well, let's get right into it. Here we go. Okay. All right. So, on January 15th, 1974, Charlie Otero came home from a normal day at school. Charlie Otero was a sophomore in high school at the time. How after, how, uh, I can't talk. Um, however, after stepping inside the house, something didn't feel right to him. The dog that the kids were, were told could not be outside mm-hmm. because it was cold was in the backyard. Okay. And so he was like, that's weird. And he probably thought, I'm going to get onto my brothers for doing that. Yeah. Um, and his mother also kept a super clean home. Mm-hmm. And when he walked in, it was a mess. Okay. Um, so he's standing there in the kitchen and he's thinking like, what is going on? And he hears his younger sibling call to him, Charlie, come quick. Mom and dad are playing a cruel joke on us. Mm -hmm. So he walked into his parents' bedroom and that's when he found his parents' bodies. In Charlie's own words, he described the gruesome crime scene. He described it as his father was tied up. Okay. His eyes were bulging. His tongue was almost completely bit off. Mm-hmm. Um, his mother was on the bed. She didn't even look like his mother anymore. Yeah. And he said, I looked at my dad and I could smell death and fear in the room. Mm-hmm. So Charlie Otera is really like, he went through it. He was the oldest and to find this scene, yes, I mean, it was really hard on him. Yes, that's crazy. I say that in like every episode. <laughs> <laughs> you do. <laughs> it's okay, though. Um, so he ordered his younger siblings to go to the neighbors and call for help. The police took the children to the station to sort everything out. Mm-hmm. And Charlie kept begging the police, like, don't let my two younger siblings go home because he didn't know where they were. He thought they were at school and he was worried they were going to come home and this person or people were going to find them. Yes. So we just keep saying it to this cop and 
the cop finally set him down and said, you don't have to worry about that. They were also killed. Oh. Yeah. So we have two parents and two children right mm -hmm. off the bat. Um, and I'm going to back up and I'm going to tell the whole story. Okay. But I, this moment was like eye-opening for me okay. because I was like, as Charlie, the oldest of the siblings, you do like feel like you have to protect your yes. whole family. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure he... I just didn't know what to do now. Yes. It's like, I mean, so yeah, the purpose is taken as an older adult. Your parents are gone. You're trying to protect your siblings. And now it's like, I mean, I would hate to be in his shoes figuring out his whole family gone, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I was scared knowing BTK was on the loose. I can't imagine how he felt until 2005. Yeah. Like they might come back for me. Mm -hmm. Wow. This is some real like Halloween um, ness we've got going on here. <laughs> Very true. So I told you kind of about them finding the bodies. So I'm going to rewind to the morning, okay. that morning of January 15th, 1974. Um, so it was a normal day for the Oteros. Um, they got up at 8 a.m. Um, and she was kind of getting the kids ready to go. Some of the kids went off to school, and just after 8 a.m., a man snuck around the Oterra house mm -hmm. into the backyard. He was cutting the phone line, and he paused for a second, and he thought, this is the time where it's like, if I'm going to go back, I go back now. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he proceeded. So he cut the phone line. And then he kind of wondered, can I pull this off? Mm -hmm. And then he came into the back door. So this man has been stalking the family for a while. Okay. Um, he was mad because he got laid off from his job. And he saw Julie Otero, who was 34, and her 11-year-old daughter, Josie. Okay. And he thought, I want those women. Mm -hmm. quote unquote women. Um, so this day he was completely prepared to attack the young girl and the mother. Um, he brought bindings and weapons with him. He had not planned <laughs> for the father, Joseph mm -hmm. Otero, to be home. Mm -hmm. He was 38 and also their nine-year-old son, Joey. Gotcha. And... Joseph Otero was home because he had gotten in a car wreck. Gotcha. And so he was just home from work that day. The mm -hmm. two kids hadn't gone to school. And I mean, this guy's coming in at 8 a.m. Like, yeah. I just think about like the balls to like do this bright, broad daylight. Was he not, did he not? Because, okay, okay, okay. So he's been, he's been stalking them. So that means he knows their usual routine. Did he not notice? Maybe he was filled with an adrenaline, mm -hmm. because and maybe that's why he didn't notice everything. But I don't know, man. I'd still look around like, oh, the cars in the garage, or you know, your morning. The morning's not going the way as it usually goes. Kind of a deal. I don't know. 
Yeah. So I will tell you, BTK is the dumbest person (laughs) (laughs) on the face of the planet in general. Um, He's, he makes so many mistakes. He Mm -hmm. does stupid stuff and I don't know how he went that long without getting caught (laughs) because he's just an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And he has this in his mind that he's this like badass, you know, like he's this like, I'm a serial killer, Yeah, but he's not, he's dumb. (laughs) Listen. So what you're basically telling me is his whole serial killing career is all most of its luck <laughs> and yeah yeah that's crazy because i mean you guys heard us talk about this on the show that if you're gonna do this you need to do it the right way and watch your mistakes and everything and you know whatever we said in the past just throw it out with out the way you know because b pd what's his name one more time btk btk we so btk he he can you know, he's just following his footsteps, you know, because he didn't have a plan or anything. We just mess up with it. <laughs> yeah, he went completely on instinct. He did really, really dumb stuff. He almost wanted to get caught. Yeah, yeah. I think if part of him was like, I don't want to do this, so I'm just going to mess it up. And yeah. then the cops, too, were in this weird phase from like, the 70s 80s where you're right smack dab in the middle of serial killers yeah so like you had some before Mm -hmm. um and then you had some after but we weren't in in the like knowledge that we have now yes to be able to really pinpoint things yes um so basically what you're saying is that since we 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 had a little bit of serial killings before, and they were they came after, so the cops really didn't um, automatically think that it was serial killers, right? Yes. Yeah, and they didn't know the patterns of it, and mm-hmm. so they didn't connect things like we do now. Yes. Um, and so he's like <laughs> taking responsibility for them too. He's like, hey, wait, I did these, and you're not giving me my credit. <laughs> He's just dumb. It just we get into it, and he's just an idiot. So yeah, <laughs> I'm loving this one already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not funny what he did, but man, he's just, he's funny because he was an idiot. Yeah, just the way he did. I mean, uh, all right, I'm ready to hear more about this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, of course, he was, like, expecting two defenseless females and that this was going to be easy. Uh Um, Now, this man now has to figure out how to kill four victims on his first kill. And so he came into the house through the back door and told the family he was a wanted man. Uh You see, he uses this excuse a lot where it's, oh, I'm escaping from prison and I just need a car and money and I'm not going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it kind of like gives, he says that it kind of gives them trust gotcha. in him. But I don't really think that's true. I mean, Any way you have it, it's scary. Yeah, if you use that line, I mean, they're still not going to trust you. You're a prisoner. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, 
so of course he tells them i'm not going to hurt you uh-huh. um the man ordered the family to lie on the living room floor at gunpoint as he went through the things in the living room so he's kind of ransacking things to go along with his story that he just wants money mm-hmm. um then he took the family into the bedroom and tied them with the rope that he brought mm-hmm. um julie and josie were on the bed and joseph and joey were on the floor um, while he was telling them, um, what to do and everything, he tried to make it sound like he cared yes. for these people, mm-hmm. you know, like he loosened the bonds when they said they were too tight. Yeah. Um, and the dad was, had broken ribs. Yes. And so BTK was like, oh, I'm, you know, going to put this pillow under you yeah. to help you. And he kind of, when he's telling it later, he kind of tries to make it sound like, oh, look at this good deed I did. <laughs> you know, like I'm helping this family out. And it's mm. like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't under, so what I don't understand about this is like, um, this is a tactic you would probably use when you were trying, you're going to, what? when you're maybe going to let your victims go and so they're going to be like right. oh we were afraid for our lives but he was still hospitable you know kind of a thing i don't uh-huh. understand if you your intent was to kill them why are you being buddy buddy so you, it, you can sound nice to the police when you're presenting your case you know you know i was going i killed them but at the same time you know i was nice to him <laughs> <laughs> he is he's like this conundrum where you're like you see this glimmer of like him being like, well, I'm just a normal guy. Like, and then you have this evil person. Yeah. Um, and he really plays that part a lot. Yeah. And you know, that is something, I mean, that is something that does happen with a lot of serial killers. They actually, no, that's not right. Cause you know, they, they do how they flip usually, you know, cause Mm -hmm. you'll, they'll, They'll usually bring you in with their nice personality, and then once they like, once the victim is like the family, they're all tied up and everything. That's where it usually flips. So it's this is really weird for him in this situation. I don't get it. Yeah, I never understood what was going on in this man's mind mm-hmm. um, because he does he has two sides, mm-hmm. and he got away with it because no one believed that this guy could have done these things. Uh-huh. And if he would have just been a little smarter and played the part, he probably would have gotten away with it for a lot longer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe forever. Yeah. But he just, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So he knew right off the bat that he was going to kill them mm-hmm. because they'd seen his face. There was no way he was getting away with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the family, at least the parents, kind of knew that too. Yes. Like, I don't, I don't know if he's gonna let us go. Yes. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So while Joseph's hands and feet were bound, the man placed a plastic bag over Joseph's head and tightened the cords. So he's trying to suffocate. Yes. Mm-hmm. The dad. Um. Then he strangled Julie, which is the mom. Okay. He stated that they were all freaking out, which, yeah, they're yeah. fighting back. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that's what he says. And so he tried to move super quickly okay. from person to person. Um, but because this was his first kill and he had no idea how much force or how long it takes to strangle someone, mm-hmm. he, they were coming back. Gotcha. So he, so I mean, strangulation can happen fast. Yes. It can, um, it can happen without you really meaning to, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like you have to strangle someone with a lot of force to fully kill them. Yes. You just got to do it right. You just got to make sure your ropes are, I mean, if I was in that position, I'm just putting myself in his position. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you just try to do it as tight as possible? I mean, why would you go loose at all? You know, wouldn't you just do full force? I mean, and if he sees that they're coming back, wouldn't you? St- I don't know. You know. Yeah, it's it's just dumb. So yeah. basically, what these people had going on was they were all passing out mm-hmm. and waking back up, yeah. and passing out and waking back up, mm-hmm. and he's going, why aren't you dying? They're going fighting and trying to get out. And so he's fumbling the whole thing. Uh-huh. And I don't know if he had planned to have the women not be fully out uh-huh. so he could rape them or do whatever he was going to do. But it just became this like, I almost like kind of think it's a, like one of those like, comedy movie scenes where it's like something's happening over here something's happening over here and you're just going from one to one and i know that's not comedic at all but that's why i picture in my head is just him bumbling the whole thing and Mm -hmm. basically torturing yeah these victims and it's i know he wasn't ready to do four victims and yet he hadn't intended on doing four victims but wouldn't you run out the house immediately after you saw that because I've heard stories where there's been serial killers who had been killing for years, and mm-hmm. they just happened to stumble upon a victim, and they were surprised by another person, and then that they couldn't do it. You know, now you've got this guy, his first murder, and he's handling four people. God, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I would have just left. Time to re- go back and regroup and figure stuff out. Right. And I mean, I think his ego got in the way a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he thought, oh, I can handle this, you yeah. know, because he's in between this, knowing it's his first kill, knowing he's not experienced yep. and also being like, but I'm a serial killer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the conundrum comes from is like him being overly confident, uh-huh. but not knowing what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so sad for these victims because yeah. I can I I don't want to imagine yeah. what they're going through, mm-hmm. and it just keeps going because he can't yeah. finish it. Mm-hmm. It's it's, <gasps> it's kind of I mean he was he was torturing them without even really kind of even knowing it you know like I would just everybody would hate to be in that positions of the victims but. God, just to be in there, I can't imagine just going in and out, in and out, looking at this guy, and it's like, why is he toying with me? Like, I bet you in their heads they thought, like, he's he's doing this on purpose, you know, but to him he didn't know what the hell he was doing. 
Like, uh, like have you, ever, <laughs> you got frustrated at a serial killer? <laughs> oh, so much. <laughs> like, really... He makes me the frustrated I've the most frustrated I've ever been in my life. Yeah. Um, because it's just pointless and it's broad daylight. Uh-huh. So like, what is, what's his game here? Like, mm-hmm. what does he think's gonna happen? Yep. I mean, he's probably gonna get caught. Yep. But, well, I mean, we know the story. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I mean, in that moment, I mean, he's, he's gotta be thinking, is someone gonna come home? Is, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it needs to be quick. Did he not look up the serial killer 101 book at the library and try to? And <laughs> this is what frustrates me so bad is he thought he was the greatest killer alive. Yeah. When he's telling these stories later, he's like telling people, he's like, well, I know this from all my research of serial killers. But it's like, you're d- so dumb. You mm-hmm. don't know how to do it. Yep. Yep. So are all his killings going to be like this where they kind of fumble or is he going to just get, as he gets more experienced, is he just going to get right to the point? He fumbles a lot. Oh, God dang it. (laughs) He does. I mean, I think he gets a little bit better. Yes. But he's just, he's dumb. He doesn't learn from his mistakes. He's Mm. just dumb. Huh. Wow. Listen, how about we do this? Let's take a break, and okay. then we'll come back with more of his dumbness. <laughs> we'll be right back, guys, right after this. Hey, guys, it's Joe or Joe the Producer, as you might know me, and I'll take some time to let you guys know about my show, The Joe Show. It's a podcast that I run with Marcus and Mason, and we talk about anything and everything except politics. You'll never know what we'll be talking about on The Joe Show. Sometimes we can get serious, and sometimes we can get goofy. But whatever we talk about, our main goal is to entertain you, the listener. So check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also hit us up on social media at Facebook at The Joe Show, Reddit at The Joe Show, Instagram at The underscore Joe Show 20, or we're on TikTok now at The Joe Show 2020. Check us out. It's a great show, and I love doing it. The Joe Show. It's a podcast. And we're back with more of this episode with BTK. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to hear more about him fumbling with all his murders and everything. So now this, now I said we were going to hear more case or more st- stories about him, but did we, we didn't finish the first one. Um, right. So let's, let's go back and finish the first one before we move on to more of his murders. Yeah. So, um, 
like I said, he's strangling them. They're passing out and they're coming back. Mm -hmm. And so he gets this ingenious idea to put like bags over their heads. Mm -hmm. And then when they come back, they're just biting through the bags and breathing. And then he's like putting another bag or like something else. And it's, it's horrific. Um, but this happens with the whole family, uh-huh. except for Josephine. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just over here reacting because I'm just picturing this in my head. Like, I know you, I know we said it's not comical, but as you're reading all this, that's how it's looking to me. It's just like, it's stupid. It's something that comes out of, it sounds like it comes out of a film or something like that. Um, so it didn't happen with Josephine. Yes. So everybody else in the house, he did this with, he kept Josephine kind of alive. I mean, he did enjoy strangling her, but he kept her kind of alive. And remember, she's an 11 year old girl. Mm -hmm. Um, so he decided he was going to take her to the basement. He took off her clothes and then he hung her from a pipe. Gotcha. Um, and he purposely did it to where she's inches from the floor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, as kind of a torture thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he masturbated. Mm-hmm. And this is just one of the most horrible parts of this story. Mm-hmm. Because you have him purposely doing all this stuff. Yes. To a little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's also leaving... DNA at the scene. Yes. And I know that we didn't know a lot about DNA at the scene (laughs) stuff, Mm -hmm. but like he's leaving semen, which is going to tie right back to him. Yes. Yes. All over the scene. Yep. And that's what I was, that's what I was thinking. I was just like, hold on now. That's a big no, no. Um, But then, okay. So he is, downstairs with Josephine. What's mm-hmm. happening with the family upstairs? Are they are they dead yet? Yes. Okay. So after he made sure that they were all dead, which I don't know how long that took. I don't know what that took. But after they were all gone, that's when he took Josephine downstairs. Gotcha. Okay. So, man, that's crazy. Now, there was a, at the beginning of the story, there was like who told the oldest to that somebody's playing a trick on them other siblings other siblings okay. so they had i think four kids or five kids okay um and two were killed okay. in this and then i think two or three came home and charlie which was the oldest yes. was the one that was like make sure my siblings get home okay okay but they were already dead. Yes. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, he did leave a few, but that's because they were already gone at school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> here's where he really just... This icing on the cake. Yeah. So, <laughs> after all of that, he said, in his own words, that he cleaned up the house mm-hmm. a little bit. He took the dad's watch mm-hmm. and a radio just cause, um, he got to, he got the keys to their car 
walked out the front door, got in their car, and drove away. So this is all in broad daylight, mm-hmm. probably like midday. Yep. So then he parked their car at a grocery store down the street. Okay. okay. He walked back <laughs> to his car. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and then he was like, on his way back, he's like, oh, man. I forgot my clippers when I clipped the phone line. So he went back to their car, took their car back to the home, got his pliers or whatever they were, went back to the grocery store, (laughs) hold on, (laughs) left the car, walked back to his car, got in his own car, and left the scene. There could have been so many w- witnesses. Listen, <laughs> listen, this is, listen. Okay, when you listen to true crimes, you don't, you kind of get into the mindset of the serial killers and you start to think like them, right? This dude mm-hmm. has just completely just killed everything. Like, when you were saying that he should have gotten caught earlier. I was like, it can't be that bad, you know. But he's everything that all these serial killers try to prevent. He is just like, I don't care, you know. Go back to the house twice because you've got some clippers. Like, just so many witnesses. Like, nosy neighbors, you know, could have saw him go there the first time. And then, you know, then he's leaving <laughs> Right out the front door and hopping into the car, you know. You know, you got Bill and Martha. Martha, somebody's hopping into the Johnson's car, you know. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. This is... Dude, I don't know, man. It's He is just... I mean, I've, I said this earlier in this, but just the balls on him. Yes. To just be so confident. To just do whatever the hell he wants to do. Yes. And get away with it. And I mean, I do not blame the police because Uh at this time it was like he bumbled and messed up that scene so bad Uh that the investigators thought, oh, we have someone who came into this family's home and tortured them. Yes. Mm -hmm. So they're going off of, okay, we have someone who literally like choked people out until they came back up. Like they hated these people. Yeah. So they're looking at enemies, not this random dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the cops are confused <laughs> just as much as we are. They think he's smarter than he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurts even more. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, man. Okay. And then you have this DNA at the scene, mm-hmm. but in the seventies you have you have to have something to compare it to. Yeah. So like if a criminal came in, yeah, we can compare that, but like this was his first kill. This yeah. was mm-hmm. all he did. Mm-hmm. So they had no idea what to do with the semen. Yeah. <sighs> and then, I for wasn't it like in the eighties where they actually came up with the technology for that? Because they I know they had like fingerprints and all that. But mm-hmm. I I can't remember the date, but I didn't know if it was the seventies or eighties when they actually came out with like blood and DNA testing and stuff like that. 
I think it was close to this time. Yeah. I mean, I think they had stuff to compare it to. Yeah. Um, what we have now that's came out mm-hmm. in the last couple of years is DNA tracing. Okay. So they can take um, something like semen mm-hmm. and make a composite sketch of someone just based on your DNA strands. Gotcha. And then they can p- compare that to their suspects, basically. Okay. Okay. But in the seventies, I mean, you had to have something to go against it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, they have this random DNA. They have this botched scene. Um. They have this guy who killed a little girl. Mm-hmm. So it's pissing the cops off. Yes. Um. And this little boy, you know, but things he did to Josie were just horrible. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they're like, what the heck do we do now? Mm-hmm. Um, so I wrote in my notes, <laughs> I'm going to stop here to say that this man is a complete dumbass, <laughs> <laughs> which I've already said before, but like, I, I cannot say enough how much he wasn't prepared yes Mm -hmm. and the things he did i mean it's common sense stuff yes Mm -hmm. um and you said earlier that he hadn't learned from any of his previous killings so i mean because i would look at this and be like okay those those guys took too long to um die with me stringing them bags need to be tighter um yeah it's just i don't know man it's really breaking up like it's really breaking up not like the the serial killer true crime minded memes because it's like come on dude like you should know all this i mean especially if he he kind of had to have somebody to idolize because i don't think he just wake up one day and just like this is what i'm gonna do today Right. And so you led me right into that because um, he said he idolized the serial killers at the time. Okay. Um, The serial killers that matched up kind of before or during his reign was Edmund Kemper and the Zodiac Killer. Yep. Those were kind of before his time. Mm -hmm. After his time was Ted Bundy. Um, things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think probably the um, the guy in New York that Son of Sam. Son of Sam. But Son of Sam is he was a guy in New York that shot people. Okay. Um, but if you go back to like his whole thing is strangulation. Okay. BTK case. Okay. Um, and I don't think a lot of people were doing that really mm-hmm. at the time. And so when he went to the scene, he only had rope um, and then the pliers to cut the thing. Mm -hmm. So like when those people weren't dying, he had no backup plan to shoot them or, you know, do anything like that. Mm -hmm. And is he even like a big guy? I mean, the best way I describe him is just like a Midwestern dad. Like he just, I mean, he's not huge. He's not Edmund Kemper's size for sure. Because I would think, I mean, if you're going to use, because, uh, you know, they will talk about in serial killings where, you know, the size of the person, whether they're small or big, and then 
you know, like if they're a smaller guy, they're going to use guns. You know, they're going to use mm-hmm. knives. And then if you're a bigger person, that's where you hear a lot more of, oh, he strangled them with their ba- bare hands and stuff like that. So yeah, I was just wondering, how big is this guy if, to be strangling people? I don't know. I think he's a pretty normal dude. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so his whole thing, and I'm going to talk a little bit about him as a person. Okay. Um, he said in his book that he was exposed to like hardcore bondage bdsm porn at a young age and when that happens a lot of times you get violence and sex fused yes Mm -hmm. um and so that's kind of what sparked the strangulation Mm -hmm. and stuff like that is he wants to do that he wants to have the bondage so much that it kills someone yes mm-hmm. and what most people we're not psychologists or, or anything on here but for what most people usually don't know is that um for what i heard is that the testosterone levels in a male it's both used for like exercise and it's also used for sexual activity so that mm-hmm. was one of those things too where people can get that confused a lot you know because it, your levels are high high up and so yeah it's it makes completely sense that he would even get those two just messed up like that so right and so there's two different ones the sadistic statistic i don't know anything about this stuff but <laughs> that person the the s in bdsm mm-hmm. is where they want to hurt their partner okay the masochist person um feels pleasure by getting hurt okay um i think he was probably both okay but he's really seeing this as wanting to perform it on someone he's wanting to do this to someone else okay but this so bdsm community is consenting adults this is not what btk is like he's beyond that yes Mm -hmm. um he wants to do it to children and parties who don't consent yes Mm -hmm. um and i think where btk gets like really weird Uh is that he does things to himself gotcha so he go ahead i was getting ready to ask you because you said the 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 one that was the m i was like what are you talking about you there, in the previous story, there was nothing about that. So you're getting into that. Okay. Yes. I'm so he liked hanging himself. Um, he liked dressing as women and then hanging himself. Um, he took pictures of all of this. Okay. Um, and so you look up BTK and it's like weird pictures. Uh-huh. Like he would dig a grave uh-huh. and then put like a mask on and be bondage and lay in the grave and take pictures of himself. Good. And that's the stuff that would get him off. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> listen, this, listen, we've heard serial killers. I mean, I've heard about, you know, them, you know, dressing in women's clothing and taking the pictures, but not to this extent, you know, like it, it's real weird. It's really weird. And yeah. 
we talk about how messed up the minds are of these guys. This dude was just no it it this he was fucked up. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting, like I was talking about the two different sides of mm-hmm. BTK a lot, but there's this like really midwestern dad. Okay. Like churchgoer, family man, dude. Mm-hmm. Normal dude. And then you would have this other side that was just weird and mm-hmm. crazy and just like horrific. Yeah. And I don't know how they fused into one person. <laughs> it baffles me. <laughs> so he talks, this dude talks a lot too. Okay. So in his book, he talks about what he thinks happened. Okay. And he said that as a child, he would get aroused when he was being spanked. Um, he said he would like to watch as chickens got slaughtered. Uh-huh. Um, he was sexually excited when he read about murders mm-hmm. um, and those types of things. Yeah. Um, he would also fantasize about tying women to tracks, mm-hmm. like train tracks. Yeah. Um, he liked to hang cats and watch them struggle until they died, which is one of the big things with serial killers is killing animals. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he said there was one time that stuck out to him in his mind where his mother got her ring stuck in the couch when she was cleaning okay. and yelled for him and said to run for help because okay. she couldn't get out. Uh-huh. And he remembered being aroused by the fact that this helpless woman needed his help. Yeah. Boy, it's your mama. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> um, he always stuck to the story that he was never abused or sexually abused. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow in his mind, he got those two things together violence and sex Mm -hmm. and this was the only thing he could do to pleasure himself and get rewarded for everything in life was to do this to defenseless people yeah so and that's one of those things too it kind of what it kind of makes sense because you know with um what somebody said a stiff dick has no conscience is the great advice that i got so it's one of those things if he's trying to get off Uh um maybe he's not thinking his stuff through all the way you know because it's just him in that moment and that's the only thing that's on his mind you know because we said because like you said earlier in the beginning it was he saw the mother and josephine and then he was going to go in and do what he was going to do Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's crazy. So the psychology behind I uh, serial killers for me talking about them is always hard because they always talk about the serial killer yes. and not the victims. Yes. But for him, like he is such a weird guy. Yes. Like, how can we prevent this from happening? Mm-hmm. in the future how do we prevent other children from from doing this um and it's it's hard because he faked it mm-hmm. he faked being normal so well yes 
mm-hmm. that it was it was hard to see that he was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, I don't even know. Um, I don't even know. That's why we talk about my podcast. You know, we have to talk about sex and stuff. And be op- more open about it because if he was more open about this, they could probably could have said, "Oh, dude, you're a little weird. Uh, let's get you some help." You know, so mm-hmm. there used to be a thing in psychology um, where it was like the serial killer triad, mm-hmm. and it was a triangle of three things that um, all serial killers possessed when they were young. Yeah, and one of them was harming animals. Yep. Uh, bedwetting. Yes, I heard that one before. And I think setting fires. Okay. Um, we've come further now to know that, like, you don't have to hit all of those or you can and not become a serial killer. Yeah. But you kind of put him in this, the triangle, and you're like, he was killing small animals mm-hmm. because he liked it and was getting off on it and Mm -hmm. so he's going to grow up to do that to other defenseless people yes Mm -hmm. so i mean he he fits it he fits the serial killer vibe (laughs) he's just he learned also how to be a normal guy too Mm -hmm. and that's scary yes it's just a a wolf hiding in sheep's clothing right So. And they talked about how his family, like, how did his family not know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really believe that they didn't. Yes. Um, he hid a lot of things from his wife mm-hmm. and his children, and they just thought he was normal. Well, I mean, and it's it's one of the big things, too, with serial killers is that uh, something I've heard is they know how to compartmentalize, right? Where mm-hmm. it'll be one of those things, family life is family life. They are the average Joe, you know, living their life. Everybody thinks they're great. But then when it's time, when they get that urge to kill, they become a completely different person. I can't tell you how many times I've listened to podcasts or read stories about serial killers on how they they will say, like, the victims will say, they were this just nice guy. And then all of a sudden, their, his, their face changed to this completely different person and like it's crazy you know um and i bet you that was the same with him it was just in the right situations he knew when to be the upright citizen and then in the dark he became fulfilled all its fantasies you know Um, yeah yeah. his reign of terror just was just so big because you have the victims, the victims' families, you know, all of that. And then you have his family mm-hmm. who, when all this came out, was, I mean, victimized as well because they're like, my whole childhood yeah. was a lie. Yeah. Or the husband I knew I had mm-hmm. is not the person that I thought. Yes. I just had a story like that. Um, uh, there was a guy I met on route. And he just found out that his grandfather was a rapist because they just found out that his grandfather raped a 17-year-old disabled uh, African-American kid. And they didn't know anything about this. It happened about five years ago, and it's finally caught up to him. And he was telling me, he's like, man, for the past three months, I've been working with this guy, and there's nothing 
has been, you know, I could tell you nothing. Uh, he was a nice guy, a nice old guy. And hearing all this, it's just blowing his mind, you know. Um, and it's just, it's crazy. <coughs> it's crazy how our brains can do that. They're just so, so powerful, our brains. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And this is why this stuff is so interesting, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it allows us to try to figure out what what the heck's going on with him. Why does he think like this? Why does his brain work this way? Um, man, I, I don't know. And the fact that, <laughs> you know, he's got this brain and he's just a bumbling idiot, you know. Like, God, uh, I don't know, man. It's, okay. <laughs> so we just got over his first kill yeah. you know so he's got so much more too that we haven't dove into where he's a bumbling idiot <laughs> so we you have more of those right now yeah uh, i have like his whole thing his whole, all of them then this is what we're going to do we are going to leave you guys on a cliffhanger so come back next week and Sarah and I are going to have more stories for you guys about B3K. And, and they're good. Yeah, they're <laughs> really good. As you can tell from this one. And then, you know, we'll get to more discussions about his mind and everything. So if you guys like us, go check us out on Facebook at Code187. Give us a like. I just did this new cool thing where if you don't want to find us on Spotify, you can check us out on Facebook, and it will be the same as listening to it on Spotify. So you guys can do that. We're also on Instagram. Um, if you're watching the video, all our stuff, is it going to be right down here, Sarah? All our yep, links in the stuff? description box below. Yeah, so in the description box, if you're watching the video, but if you're doing mm-hmm. podcasts, I, I mean, if you're listening to it, I'm just going to tell you. I did Instagram. Is it at Code187? Yeah, and I think it's I think there's YT after it, which is YouTube. Okay, um, gotcha. Some of our socials have YT after it. Okay. So I did put um, all of our socials below on the Spotify link too, so you can just click them. Gotcha. So yeah, if you guys want to know more about Code One Eighty Seven, join our group. Click on the descriptions on Spotify and on YouTube. As for right now, we're gonna be headed out of here, and. Come back next week with more BTK. I'm Joe. And I'm Sarah. Thank you guys for listening to Code 187. Okay, so this is how we do this right here. We stop that. I said we stop.